What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? This is part three of our deep dive into AI impacts on marketing jobs. Uh, I want to start this episode off, JT, by apologizing to the listeners that this episode might be a bit rusty on on my part. I'm attempting to record this while being fully sleep deprived, thanks to a one-week-old newborn at home. I did tease that we were on baby watch uh, last couple of recordings, but... Yeah, our, our daughter did arrive nice and early, and uh, yeah, it's been a wild change in the sleeping patterns, as I'm sure you're fully accustomed to. Yeah, big congrats, Phil, to you and the family for a beautiful baby girl. Uh, I got the Zoom intro earlier, and I can confirm that she's she's beautiful. So congrats to you and your family. Welcome to the Sleep Through Five Life of Martech. It's, it's fun, <laughs> it's hazy, and it's fast. So enjoy. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so in in our first episode, if you had a chance to to check it out, we uh, kind of been on this AI binge uh, for the past couple of weeks. So we had two previous episodes that were in part of this AI series. The first episode, we introduced the topic and we covered how fast AI could potentially replace marketing jobs and what that transition might look like. And in the most recent episode, in episode two, uh, I had a bit of a solo recording that one, but I kind of covered ways marketers could stay up to date with the latest advancements uh, in AI. Um, some of the focus there was really just calling out uh, specific folks and blog posts and newsletters to, to kind of read. So we've got two more episodes. Uh, today, including one of them. So today's part three, we're going to be covering practical changes in new areas marketers can invest in to kind of future-proof their careers for what uh, the AI takeover might look like in marketing in a few years. And our final episode is going to be how to find the top AI marketing tools and filter out all the noise. Like every week, there's a new AI tool kind of coming out there. So um, that's going to be part four. So here's today's main takeaway. AI is already disrupting MarTech, but in five to 10 years, our jobs are likely going to look very different. Now is the time to figure out if you need to make changes to your current area of specialty in order to future-proof your career. Ask yourself if you should double down on additional areas like data, API services, maybe getting closer to product marketing or customer marketing or community, or even starting to learn about ethics and data privacy. So today we'll help you reflect on these different options, different paths to investigate as you navigate through this future landscape. And we'll also talk a bit about what job titles of the future might be in store for marketers. So JT, let's dive in. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic. And I know, Phil, you and I are both playing with with some tools. So have some experience here on some of the use cases and applications. But like, let's start by talking about a quick outline of some of the new areas in marketing that people might potentially focus and on developing to future-proof their career. Um, and I think like with AI, you know, taking form and becoming bigger every day, definitely an interesting area to look into. So things like AI tech implementation, you know, just finding ways for your organization to use AI to automate tasks and to deliver higher standards of service internally. Uh, data, data and API services, so exposing data from your business to let AI assistance leverage them, like a data analyst in your back pocket, wild to think about. Uh, getting closer to products and customers, just deeply understanding customers, like you have analysis from like chat analysis and customer interviews, database analysis, really fascinating stuff that could be pulled out, copywriting, generative AI, uh, disrupting the SEO space. You know, a lot of people are looking at this for programmatic content. What's the implications there? Uh, you know, just in the marketers thinking about the ethics, privacy, and responsibility, like as tech implementers, we often have to implement cookie tracking and stuff like that, that has to comply with, you know, local governance. What's AI going to land on? I think there's actually a huge niche around marketers who are just specialized in understanding mm -hmm. how to implement this. And it's going to become bigger and bigger as time goes on. GDPR will look very small compared to, I think, what happens with AI in the future. Um, and I mean, I, I can just see like this, this, uh, and I think, Phil, you'll talk about this later, but just this idea of being uh, like a prospector for new tools, like, hey, what's the next cutting edge emerging tech? How do we integrate it? How do we use case? Like, what's the internal use case? Can we get budget for it? Uh, so really fascinating, just just almost all on the tech deployment side of things, um, an interesting thread to pull. Yeah, there's a lot of things that marketers could do today to like start 
thinking about how to like double down on certain parts of like specialty or niche areas of marketing. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the listeners are playing at least in like the MarTech space. Like maybe they're wearing a marketing automation hat or an email marketing hat, or maybe a bit more marketing operations. But I think that we're all pretty well positioned to thrive in in this new kind of AI impact on, on marketing. And, and we'll talk about some of those as well. But we like, I do want to make the case that like, maybe you should consider like taking another branch and looking deeper into to product marketing and, and customer marketing, like things that do require a lot of like customer understanding and like emotional understanding, empathy, like shit that we talked about in our first episode that like AI won't be able to replace humans right off the bat, maybe at some point eventually. But I have to admit that like what, what spurred this whole AI series for us and, and what led me to dive in down into this, this rabbit hole was this genuine fear that I had, or, or at least like a serious contemplation about like whether I personally needed to focus on a new marketing area or to pivot in some case, because like, there's a lot of unknown here. Like we don't know how fast this stuff is going to supplant jobs. Um, and we don't know like if we should be changing stuff today, but like now is the time to be be thinking about that right yeah and i think having that base set of skill sets like there, there's a definitely depending on your skill set and, and your chosen path in marketing like you could be primed to take advantage of this you know at an institutional level or within your career like within your role today like there might be technical areas that you can use or there's content areas or 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 wherever but i think there will be also just side benefits that come for people who are able to use this effectively you know, in their day job, like summarizing meeting notes, things like this, that could be really uh, interesting. So yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think it's got a lot of marketers uh, wondering about what the future looks like. Yeah, I think that we covered in, in part two, uh, you know, some of the ways that you can keep up to date uh, with some of the changes and, and try to be a bit more AI fluent and in, in figuring out like, um, you know, some of the stuff that that's coming out, some of the tools that maybe you should be be playing around with. But let's uh, let's chat about like some of the new marketing areas to to potentially focus on. I don't think like all of these are really new, so to speak. Um, like one of the things that's kind of highlighted in in the first episode, we talked about uh, Goldman Sachs uh, report, uh, calling like a fear report here. Like they predicted that about a million, million plus jobs are going to be replaced by AI. Uh, I forget the number. It was like 300 some millions or whatever. Um, but like they also made the, the case that like potentially like there might be a lot of new jobs that come out of this, um, this movement and there might be a productivity boom. Uh, like one thing that I found really interested in that report is that like they cited that 60% of workers are in occupations today that did not exist 80 years ago. Like that's because of the internet, because of a bunch of other shit too. But like you think about like in 20 years from now, like how many people are going to be working on like AI specific roles that don't exist today. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I want to start figuring out ways of like looking and investing into different parts of my career so that if it does happen, if in like five or 10 years from now, 60% of marketers are working in jobs that didn't exist like 10 years ago or like today, like I want to be prepared for that. And like now's the time to be thinking about that. Yeah, I agree. I think the pace of change is really the fascinating thing, right? Like when was the last time you took your horse in to get the its shoes polished or your your horse and buggy to get your buggy, you know, repaired? Like the pace of change typically historically has been such that like it's gradual, right? There's always a little bit of resistance in terms of adopting new technologies, but usually it's an extension of natural use cases that we that we see in our own, you know, in our own world. <clears throat> I think that's like the big thing in terms of what we're watching for now is you know, you outlined how much uncertainty and in that uncertainty, when you can't see beyond the curtain, like the, it could be bad or it could be good. Right. I don't know which, but we'll hedge our bets and say both. Mm -hmm. I think that the, the factor that we really have to think about is like uh, the human factor, like how fast will humans be able to come up with use cases to ap apply this? Mm -hmm. um, and like, using these tools is mind blowing in terms of the applications. Like I, I came up with a workout plan. I asked chat GPT to help me with a workout plan and I included all these specifics. Like I told them, you know, my age, you know, my general health, uh, what I was, my goals were the fact that I have four young kids at home. So I can't be sore and super tired after a workout. Like <laughs> I still got to live my life. I can't be like, 
you know, cringing upstairs. And it came back with something that was like extremely thorough and, and very tailored to it. And I've been using the workout and it's a, it's a really solid workout plan. The question is, do you, how do you scale this? Right. Are people right. thinking to scale this? Are people comfortable with scaling this? Um, and so I think it's like the, when these use cases start to become commonplace, like another example is like, we're thinking of the idea of AI reading all of your documentation and chat logs, and then it operates as a supporting chatbot. How fast are teams going to move internally on making this type of work happen and bringing these AI chatbots to market? What type of engineering is required behind the scenes from the existing team to put this in place? Like if you've used ChatGPT, I don't think you'd ask it to run your support docs right now. You'd need to, you'd need to fiddle with it quite a bit, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and why is the assumption that we're going to automatically lose the jobs? And I'll put this out there. I've worked with a lot of customer success teams. I've never met a customer success team that has all the time available to do the projects they want, right? They're, they're constantly inundated with all these requests. And I'm sure there's a category of people who think my job's going to be gone if I'm not responding to people on online chat. But then there's a category of people who are going to be like, now that I don't have to respond to online chat, I can re-architect my documentation. I can talk to my customers more and get better feedback so I can improve my support staff and success. So I think it comes back to this higher order. If we're able to, to continue gradually understand the use cases and build those out, we don't necessarily have to just ax jobs because we have more efficiency, right? Um, I think it, it comes a lot with that human factor. So there's also the other part, like what does the implementation of this technology look like? And we can look at all the other technology that we've implemented in the past. It's it's just another piece of technology at the end of the day. The pace is moving, the excitement factor is is higher, the fear factor is there as well. But you know, it's it's still Martech, it's still deployed the same way, it's still implemented the same way. And yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I like the the human thing that you pulled out of there. Like, it, there's so many. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of the focus is on the tech and and the software that's coming out. Like, hundreds of new tools every single week. Like, you shouldn't be using this anymore. You should you you need to use this. Like, this AI tool is building a website for you. This AI tool is going to build a product for you. And this AI tool is going to replace your customer success team. And I even saw on Twitter some guy saying that like he's working on the first AI marketing manager assistant. So like, there's there's so much there's so much hype around it right now right like we're definitely in that like hype cycle and like the the, the thing that y- you said there was like we can separate a couple of things out of that and one of them is human and the other one is like adopting that technology and that's like the process of like using those tools in businesses even though there's like hundreds of these tools out there or like thousands at this point it doesn't mean that like like mm-hmm. companies have the time to deploy it right now or, or or humans specifically like you said like while the tech is new right now and there's this mm-hmm. hype cycle the process of adoption is as old as time itself and that's like the the first category of potential new marketing areas um that we want to highlight here so like we're calling it ai tech implementation uh but it's actually like something that pp Laya um like coined uh, if you will um i'll talk about him in a, in a sec but he basically put it as like on twitter he says that um, a nice niche for marketers and, and ops folks who continue to find ways to use AI to automate tasks and find new efficiencies. Like he's calling it marketing ops folks are the new resident AI tech implementation experts. And I really dig this angle because it's not necessarily new. Like we arguably as MarTech folks, like people that are marketing ops, I've been doing this for quite a bit of time. Like Scott Brinker recently surveyed a bunch of MarTech folks and asked them like what they do on a day-to-day basis. And the most popular task in this role is to research and recommend new tools for a company. So like, this is just a new angle of this. Like there is just part of the role of just like researching new AI tools and recommending AI tools that could be implemented in this business based on current tech stack, based on the company's goals and like the the team size and stuff like that. So um, that's like this new like AI tech implementation and it's not necessarily new, right? Like I think that like something to call out here is like most of Twitter bros right now are kind of in two buckets. They're either saying AI is going to replace every job or they're saying AI won't replace your job, but someone who uses AI tools will replace your job if you fail to integrate it. 
Yeah, I think it benefits a lot of people on social media to stoke fears, to generate buzz. And when there's so yeah. much uncertainty to, to a topic, like I think, you know, going back to the human factor, I think that's a rate limiter, right? If, if people are uncertain about that technology and the implications of it, they will be hesitant to deploy it at scale. <clears throat> and I think that'll, there'll be a, there always is a crest of early adopters who will be radical in their deployments and their reactions to the efficiencies that they gain, like slashing staff. And those will always make it to the media. But I think it's, you know, there's an opportunity, you know, on the other side of things that you could make an argument that AI could unlock an economic golden age, you know, repetitive tasks that are boring that you don't want to do and that you could be spent doing other things. Like I know my, you know, my skill set, I'd love to be, you know, on strategy as much as possible, for instance, or creative, like Mm -hmm. there's lots of ways that we can think about this. And this may just unlock our ability to become better economic producers at the end of the day. Um, but again, coming back to this this human nature, I think, I think for for folks who are using some of these tools, it can feel like a little bit of a superpower, like almost like a cheat code. Like I can't believe yeah. it was so easy to like, you know, compress these notes into bullet points or generate mm-hmm. this piece of art. Like it feels it feels unfair. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to become common practice to have these skill sets and you know, like a virtual AI assistant that just is is there to help you and assist. And I think the advantages of having that, like it just becomes a disadvantage not to use it, which is an unfortunate market pressure, right? It can push people who yeah. aren't really in a t- place to, to, to adapt uh, or able to adapt uh, into a really stressful position. And that's where mm-hmm. we see frictions at society level, but uh, it's not, it's not humans of the world. It's humans of MarTech. So I'll keep the scope a little bit uh, closer. Uh, yeah. I'll pass it back to you, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like what you said there. Like, I think that, um, like as you're, you're thinking about like, you know, what does this new resident AI tech implementation expert look like? Is it that different from like my current MarTech background or my, my current MarTech role? Like if you are focusing on like researching and, and recommending new tools, it's just like another AI subset of, of those tools, so to speak, but it doesn't have to be like super complicated either. Like you don't have to spend your whole time looking at all these new tech tools out there. As I mentioned, we've got a full episode uh, coming up on tools um, but like a nice place to start as this person who's going to be focusing on AI tech implementation um, is the a couple of couple of areas that I've narrowed down. So first one is data, personalization, media, and chat. So data, like everyone was talking about like, oh, AI is going to change everything. Like if you work in MarTech and you've been in like data systems within companies or like CRMs, you know that like data integrity is just like garbage with most companies like data is just shit and like this idea of just like oh ai is going to unleash like the potential of your data but like if your data is garbage like the output of ai is going to be garbage too so like finding ways of democratizing that data but like cleaning it up and then making it more useful is going to be something that you need to do like it's like a precursor to doing anything with ai the other one that's really hot topic is personalization like Email as a channel for personalization has been around forever. Like a lot of tools allow you to do that, like through workflows and doing segmentation. A lot of people talk about this idea of like the future segmentation and personalization that AI unlocks is like less like persona based segmentation, but more like segments of one, like imagine being able to customize emails and chat experiences and even web copy on a one-to-one basis based on like what you know about that person and and whatnot. So like, obviously like the, you know, not a lot of those capabilities are there today. I'm going to talk about those in in some of the the part four episode there, but like, um, can you help out with like other people on your team to do better with like smarter, like sales rep flows or like better outreach? Like there's a small place to start today on personalization before you even think about like fancy AI tools out there. Media is another one. Like we've been using Midjourney for our, our artwork for, for our podcast episodes. How many marketers on, on your team today are spending way too much time writing or, or like creating images and, and designs that could at least be sped up using AI tools. And the, the last one is chat. I think that we talked a bit about like customer customer support and like this idea of having like complicated problems to solve, but also a lot of like companies are already using like um, chatbots that have access to a knowledge base. And when you ask a question, they take keywords from your question and they try to like recommend articles that are in the knowledge base as like this kind of like entry level to like before you bother 
a technical support person, like, have you read these knowledge-based articles mm -hmm. because they have this keyword in, in the title that you just asked or whatever. But yeah, like this one isn't new. Like you can always improve on the current chat tools that your, your team is using. So like, it's just my way of saying like before, like, you know, like being this resident AI tech implementation person, like it is a really cool area or, or avenue to, to dive into. I'm actually personally really excited about that. I think most companies will like give you the keys to, to just like spend time shopping and researching and seeing if you can implement some of these tools and like make stuff faster and get better ROI or whatever. But before you do that, like, are there areas that you can at least go from like step one, two or three before you're talking about like AI tools that are promising like step nine or 10, you know? Yeah. We got, if you're listening, you got to go back and listen to the data models um, podcast we did. Cause uh, that episode talks a lot about some of the things that I think are foundational, right? Like what you're talking about here, Phil is you've got your basics in place. You've got a good data model. You've got good clean data. You've got good structure. You've got good process segmentation, understanding of your, like, this is all the, the, the basics of marketing, a marketing department. So you have these inputs and then you're able to, to move on um, and actually create something. So I think it's really fascinating from that perspective, like, um, you know, cleaning up the house, making sure that the house is in a good position. If you use these, like ChatGPT, for instance, you, you need really good prompts to, to get specific answers. So if you're thinking about AI at scale, like what does the data sets look like? Um, which is a nice segue into the kind of the next topic that we want to talk about, which is, uh, you know, data models and APIs and how that looks from an AI implementation perspective. So maybe Phil, you can guide us a little bit here. I know you're no stranger to, to data and API models. Yeah, this one's like pretty like linked to the first one that we talked about, like being the implementation person. Um, I'll, I'll go back to the grandfather of Martech here, like Scott Brinker. I think this is like the the fourth time we 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 cite him on on this episode here, but like he's he's actually been pumping out a lot of really good content about generative AI compared to a lot of the noise that, that I'm seeing out there. But he's He's predicting that the future of content is going to be data and API services. This idea that like exposing data and models programmatically from your business to let AI assistants leverage them or find them in the answers that they deliver to other people through chat experiences or whatever UI they have. So this idea of like AI optimized content is going to be the new SEO. Uh, he's kind of claiming that a little bit or, or some of the discussions that he's been having uh, about that. But like, this is all linked to like what he wrote the other day um, that AI has caused significant disruption in, in SEO. And it's not just limited to Google alone, but he's kind of calling this as kind of like code red right now for the entire digital marketing agent industry. Like shit is changing really fast right now. And when we talk about composability, this is the idea of like, you know, ChatGPT is built on top, like the model is like the internet's worth of data from like 2021. It's it's not all of the internet's worth of data. Like it's, it's a big chunk of it. It's a huge model size, but like it's a, it's a large language learning model, but um, it's like when you're asking a question, you know that like it's based on answers from like a ton of data. And we know that like, trying to write an article based on everyone's like written words is not going to be the best output. Like if I was able to say like, I want to write a really good marketing article and you just like ask ChatGPT to do that, like the words that he's using or it's using is based off of like the internet's worth of data that's been written on marketing articles. But if I was able to find a way of just like limiting the exposure of the model to only like the 1% of the best marketing authors in the world like Seth Godin and Rand Fishkin and only tailor the output of that based on them being part of the model that's where you unlock this idea of like composability so like this is essentially assembling different software components together HubSpot's leading the charge here a lot uh, Dermesh Shah has a really good um, YouTube breakdown on this and he was on um a podcast talking about like he he bought uh chat chatspot is the tool that hubspot is is using so it's basically built on top of chat gpt but it's combining hubspot crm's data set as well as google docs so you don't have to like copy paste something from your google doc or you don't have to like copy um like a table from like your crm data and ask chat gpt to kind of like 
help you analyze it or, or give you commentary on it. Like you can ask Chad GPT, like how many leads did I get last month? Or what was the most common uh, lead source from last month? Like what was revenue or who was my top leading sales rep? Because it's hooked up to your HubSpot instance and it's hooked up to your docs. And so that's like the future of composability for businesses. Like right now, a lot of people are using ChatGPT for personal use cases and, and it's fine. Like you said, like building a workout plan mm -hmm. and like you're feeding it stuff when you're trying to do stuff for your business, so to speak. But imagine being able to like work for clients where you can just hook up whatever automation tool they're using their data warehouse in there. And like, instead of SQL queries, like you're just asking chat GPT questions and it's spitting out answers based on the warehouse that you're connecting it to. So it's, it's using uh, NLP and uh, natural language processing with domain specific data sources that you use for your business. So chat GPT four introduced plugins also like there's Zapier basically like opens the door to any tool, like I think Zapier connects to like thousands of, of different tools. So like you can ask ChatGPT to like order you stuff on like Uber Eats. You can ask ChatGPT to like book you something on Expedia because Zapier is connected to all of that. So uh, I'm on the wait list for, for plugins. It's not released yet, but they announced that um, in, in April of, uh, of this year. So yeah, I mean, this is uh, the Wild West right now, like from, from a composability standpoint, but this whole idea of like data and API services is how you connect these things together, right? Like when we talk about tech implementation and like being the person that researches and finds those tools, like that's one step of the way. And like if you work in MarTech and you've been involved in any type of integration for a new software piece, you know that like there's a lot more work to be done there. You need mm -hmm. to like have a look at how your current tech stack works, like what data sources you have and how to make sure they're all like talking to each other in the right way. So this is like a bit deeper into that area there. Um, how can you basically find these tools? That's like step one. And then step two is like, how do you integrate them with your current company to make the most use out of them? Because they're not always going to be a perfect use case or a perfect fit for your company. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating topic, right? Like as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, with the developments in SEO and web development in the last, last few years with like headless CMS and, you know, React and component-driven development, you think of like headless AI with has applications broadly that is like, again, like this personal assistant or, or company level assistant that has access to all of your tools and all of the, mm -hmm. con like most importantly, all of the context of your business. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it becomes, you know, quite helpful in the way that it, that it generates this, this information. Um, it it kind of comes back down to like, when you're talking about composability, like it, it comes back to that rooted fear of, of so many content writers and, and content readers. Like, I don't want to be like, there's a lot of people who don't want to be deceived by AI generated content and they feel deceived if it was generated by AI, like the idea of putting tags as generated by AI and that type of thing, I think has, has some merit, certainly, um, certainly on the human side of things to help us help us understand adoption. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be tricky to like, I think even today though, it, it's like, and obviously this is going to get better uh, as like GPT N comes out. Like but today it's still kind of easy to find. Like I, I'm, I'm on Twitter really often and you can see people that are just like taking a tweet that was like tweeted by someone popular and they post it in GPT and they're just like, come up with a smart reply to this tweet and they just copy paste it in there. And you're just like, dude, like that's generative AI. Oh. Like you yeah, can just tell that GPT wrote that. So it's like, mm -hmm. consequently, or just like, in addition to this, like, yeah. it's like humans don't talk like that. Like, it is yeah. clear that you use that. So it's like, you can still distinctively tell it today. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating to, to see how generative AI like changes shit from from that standpoint. But Anyways, yeah, so th those are the two first ones that I wanted to kind of cover. And, and I think the easiest transition period ones for, for folks that are in marketing ops or, or, or MarTech. So becoming that resident person, the resident expert that is like researching new AI tools, recommending them and like focusing on how to implement them. And then the data and API services piece of it, how to be a bit more technical, like behind the scenes on focusing on composability and how do you combine different data sources and make some things that's really useful for your business and, and based on your proprietary data set and not just like GPT's model. But I, I want to also, you know, like, cause like if, 
you're you're listening to this like chances are you're an ops or, or martech or, or digital marketing and you might be thinking like well duh naturally i was gonna like do this this shit anyways like i'm already in apis and i'm already looking at new tools to, to implement but like you're not really telling me anything new but like i want to take this in in a different direction also gt so like I'll, I'll propose two marketing areas that um some of the folks listening might want to explore and myself personally like i'm also considering this as well um just like exploring and getting a bit more experience that might be better suited for uh ai future proofing so there's two big areas there one is product marketing and the other one is like community slash customer marketing and I'll start with product marketing first. And like a lot of companies are calling this like product growth marketing now because like they're doing a lot of experiments and working closely with like the product manager. But both like product marketing and customer marketing slash community, like they both have one thing in common, which is like to thrive in these roles, you need to have a really good understanding of your users and, and your customers. And like AI can can help with that. Like GPT can take a bunch of data and like give you analysis and like insights out of it. But at the end of the day, like a lot of these roles have one thing in common, which is like chatting with people, like one-to-one human conversations and like talking about problems and like talking about competitive solutions and like that whole like product market fit angle of things. So like you might be thinking that lots of folks are saying, you know, product and design are going to be supplanted by AI tools. Um, you know, sure you could make a case for that. Like, I don't know if you've seen some of these JT, but like, um, some AI tools are promising to be able to like generate several product wireframes. Um, but like at the end of the day, or even like some tools like are able to just like, you know, spin up like a quick web app. Um, at the end of the day, like AI is capable of, is AI capable of producing like leap of faith type of concepts derived from talking to customers and like having an understanding of customer empathy and having genuine conversations with your clients. Like that's the piece that I'm not like convinced on. Like AI is definitely going to help product marketers, um, but it's not going to be doing the role that like what makes the best product marketers really unique. Part of a product manager or a product marketer's job is focused on creativity and innovation. While AI, like all these AI systems, uh, systems are already really great at generating content and analyzing data, they currently rely on data and patterns that generate content and product marketers have the unique ability to think outside of trained data sets and generate new ideas, like thinking outside of the box, like JetGPT, like it, it, it's closed in on a box. It's a massive box uh, and like you can still get a lot of insights from it, but it's a closed box, like Product marketers, when you're talking about the future of a product and how can you build features and use cases for your users based on like the pain points that you're trying to solve, sometimes you need to think outside of the box and like think things differently. And so even though AI can suggest multiple positioning statements and message maps, it's still largely based on a huge volume of product statements that include 90% of really bad product statements. Mm -hmm. We don't yet have the ability to generate content based on the top 10% of like product statements or content yeah i mean it's a fascinating kind of topic right like how how could this approach with ai infuse a product growth marketer or product managers or product marketers and what components of the job really do lean on creativity right like that's an interesting area i mentioned like the component-based development but i could see us developing you know software uh products like in this component-based environment that have ai I don't know, listeners, for instance, that listen for product engagement features and then dynamically A-B test things, you know, and understand the models behind things to understand where statistical significance, like running these, you know, product growth tests. And I know, Phil, we've run a few in our time, like there's thinking that goes on in there, like, you know, are these people overlapping if they see this feature, but then they see this feature, what do we do with existing cohort of users? Is it net new that only get this? Like all of these questions are like questions we've debated around boardrooms. And you're like, I wish I had an analyst on staff, which, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, who can like just settle the difference because us marketers don't know anything about stats. <laughs> Boom. And then you do it programmatically through, through this. So I'm curious to see like, like, are we, 
I guess in the back of my head, I have this, like, are we just eventually going to end up being like prompt engineers in some, some respect? Like that's an extreme version of this, but like, what's your job? Like I'm a product marketing prompt engineer. Like, well, what do you do? I talk to customers and then I put inputs into, into our AI tool and it, it spits out cool insights and tests for us to do. It's like, Oh, that's a job. Like, yeah, it's a really good job too. Right. And I don't know if, if that's like the way AI would, would go in the kind of scenario that you're, you're talking about, or is it all of the, like that, that boilerplate stuff, that common elements, like when we talk about like no code tools or AI coding, like, is it coding the complex stuff, the stuff that requires like a human to go through. And I've run some code examples through, through chat GPT, for instance, and, and tested it. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't have an understanding of, of a basic understanding, at least of, of the coding, like you're not going to get a ton of mileage on this stuff. And, and it's definitely prone to, to errors. The question is how yeah. fast will those errors remain and how quickly will it become, you know, you, you said like it's, it's in a box. I mean, we're all in a box in our own sense and mm-hmm. one could argue chat GPT's boxes while constrained to the internet, which it serves its own set of problems is yeah. a pretty, is a bigger box than I have. Like it knows more about, you know, statistical analysis and any other topic that I'm sure I could come up with uh, uh, if I just asked it. So it's very fascinating from that perspective, like how fast does it, does it eclipse the error rates uh, that exist? Yeah. Testing is, is a really good uh, topic here. Like it's, it's already super contentious, uh, contentious inside of tech companies, like regardless of how how big your company is, like you don't have the time as a marketer to test a hundred plus variations of your product will ai be able to unlock that like in the background just like take your blueprint or your wireframe and just build a hundred variations of that if you're a startup and you only have like hundreds of users like what is the purpose of having a hundred variations of your product if you only have a hundred users like you'll never get to statistical significance are they going to be able to like include user testing on like much larger set of people but then the question is just like if I'm not just testing this on my users, like how valuable is that data? If you're like testing it on like Joe Schmo who lives in Australia, who never like used my product. So like this whole idea of like where I think a really nice lens of future proofing these like growth product marketers is that like part of their role is like I said, like becoming cr- creative and like finding new areas of the product to invest in based on their knowledge and, and their empathy of users. But like part of the process to get there is to prioritize experiments and like the POV that they have to recommend top few ideas to spend resources on to test. Cause like if you've done like big tests that you're aiming to be statistically significant and you want a high confidence, like those things take a long time to run, whether you're a big company or a small company and it's a big bet to make. And just like this idea of AI, just unlocking all of that, like seems a bit silly to me from like a trust and confidence standpoint today. But yeah, the, the, it, it's a fascinating one. Like product marketing, I feel like could be a good one to just like get get a bit more experience or get a bit more exposure to. I had the the, the benefit of doing that when I was at WordPress.com. Um, I, I kind of like pivoted from just focusing on lifecycle and like product uh, like uh, engagement to like shifting roles and, and being part of the team that was uh, launching one of the newest versions of, of WordPress. And we were part of like a go-to-market strategy planning and like doing a bit of positioning, figuring out how to get like product adoption and working with like product marketers, uh, product managers. And it, it was really cool exposure. And like, I feel like this could be one of the areas where like, we're automating a bunch of pieces of marketing. Like, I don't know how fast this one is going to get automated. And I don't know how much confidence like product builders will have in AI to, to be able to do that. But the next one, the the second one I wanted to talk about, that's kind of also close to customers in that like empathy area is community and customer marketing. They're kind of like um, synonymous a little bit, but like roles that are focused on conversations with other humans and building communities as well are, are well positioned to thrive during AI tool implementations. Many customers actually much prefer human interactions. Like how often have you like chatted with a bot online to try to get an answer and you're just like, fuck human. Like, let me talk to a human. Like people do that all the time. And like, even though AI tools are getting a bit better, like there is still always going to be that preference to have a human interaction and human marketers may still be better able to connect with those consumers 
on an emotional level. So I think that that's a really cool angle. Like despite all the AI tools that are coming out, if you're focused in your company right now as a marketer on building a community of your users and like having them connect to each other, share ideas and like come up with new ways of, of using the product. Like, I don't know how fast AI supplants that. Yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, it reminded me of a story from this weekend with my kids. Like <laughs> everything comes down to positioning, right? Like positioning is a fundamental art form in marketing and like the elements of a really well thought out positioning strategy are rooted in the basis of empathy, right? Empathy to your customer's problem, their mindset, yeah. their needs. So we had this silly hamburger sitting in our fridge, two or three hamburgers left over from, from a barbecue. So I, what did I do? I tried to feed them to my kids. I said, here, here's a hamburger. No, they didn't want the hamburgers because they were just like, <laughs> there's no bun. Uh, how am I going to feed these? I don't want to throw them out. So I nuked, I threw them in the microwave and then I sliced them up. And I said, oh, here's, here's a bunch of unicorn strips. And they're so enamored with it. They wanted to eat it. They gobbled it all up, like no issue. So the issue sometimes is just around positioning. And I'm thinking like, as we talk about customer marketing, like how at scale can we pull these types of things out and build a profile of what those customers look like, like the ability to connect at a one-to-one level to with the people's problems, like for instance, we were talking about like when I work with clients on SEO, I say, well, like what, what problem does your pro- problem, what problem does your product solve? Yeah. And that's a spectrum of content that we should talk about. But at the beginning of that journey, you know, bef- when they've discovered that they need your product, what, what pain points are there? You know, what empathy points can you connect with? Cause you can help them on the content side. You know, if you're selling a product, you can integrate them or get them into the industry, help them understand what the roles and solutions are. And then after the usage of the product, they can learn how to get even more value of the product, how to make usage of the extra money they saved and all that fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where like you, you start to be able to get, pull these insights down in a reliable manner, but there's, you know, and I struggle, I struggle saying things like this. Cause I'm like, oh, this isn't going to age well, but like, I struggle to see AI pull out the type of like human empathy that sometimes makes those positioning things like advertisements or connections with marketing. I I think there will be a class of those that can't be reproduced unless you have a human, but I'm worried that there'll be so much out there that you wouldn't (laughs) even care if it's human made or not. Cause you're just like, everybody's creating content at like 10 X the speed they were last month. And so now I'm like, there's no empathy. There's just call to action. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's tricky to like put those statements out there, knowing how fast shit is changing and how better GPT four is already from like three point five. Like I, I was already starting to prep for like a, the next episode, and like one of the tools that I'll be diving into is called Persado, and they kind of claim to be able to give a bit of teaser here. Like they claim to be able to like go beyond generative AI, which is like um, GPT. GPT models are based on like uh, reasoning and having a good like uh, understanding and like being intelligent and like giving some answers, but they're they're not really good at giving a emotion to like the output of what they're doing so they claim to have unlock like emotion ai and like a lot of the messaging stuff that they do so it's really interesting but um without like going too deep and, and spoiling that part there like i i love what you said about the the unicorn strips like that's like a, a silly example of like thinking outside of the box like would chat gpd have given you that idea about like slicing those hamburgers up like that like that's kind of what we're, we're talking about here, right? Like I think former uh, Shopify marketer, Kevin Indig said this really well on Twitter the other day. He said, generative AI is super powerful, but it doesn't help you connect deeply with your customers. Only direct conversations can do that. And I think that like, if you as a marketer are just like super deep into MarTech and marketing ops, and you don't have that much exposure to customers, this could be a cool area for you to invest a bit more in to potentially future-proof yourself as, as like the AI takeover sort of speaks. Uh, but like developing empathy for your customers can help you like better position your brand, have better design, write better copy, create resonating offers, differentiate you from like the sea of generative AI content out there that's already there, understanding your market better, find new customers. Like there's a bunch of things that are unlocked by having more empathy of of your customers. And I don't know how AI can 
replace that part of the job today. So yeah, those are the the two ones that I think could be cool areas to to investigate in product marketing and community slash like customer marketing. So yeah, so aside from that, uh, I've got a bit on like copywriting and, and storytelling and how, you know, it's fair to say that like distinctively human skill is challenging for AI to duplicate. Like Heming, Hemingway's distinctive style is because Hemingway's personal experiences make his writing really good. So like copywriting and storytelling is going to be an interesting one. Um, and like, even though AI can do a lot of copy today, it doesn't mean that it's like better than what a really good writer can do today. There might also be another area of just like AI maintenance. Like as you're like adding all these tools and connecting them to your MarTech stack, um, not all of them are going to be just like, you know, turnkey solutions. A big piece of this is going to be data management, regularly updating and cleaning your data sets, monitoring AI systems performance, system updates, like all that stuff might not be specifically on, on your side of the coin, but might be an area that you want to dive into. Um, we won't dive super deep into this. Like this might be a, a good conversation to have with another expert on this, but like a cool new area to potentially invest in as a marketer who's diving into AI is also ethics, privacy, and responsibility. You kind of like talked about GDPR there a little bit at the top and how that's going to change with like all the data privacy regulations and how like a lot of people are promoting for like slowing down the advancements in AI. Like AI today is really, really bad at displaying the point of views of underrepresented groups because of the data set that it's trained on. So that's a whole other box for you to, to potentially dive into. But GT, I wanted to like finish off this episode by chatting about emerging tech and like we won't dive too deep in, into these, but I want to spend a bit of time looking into the future and trying to guess what emerging tech will be the norm and might be worth getting a leg up on today. So I asked GPT-4 to come up with uh, some of these. At first, they were like a bit too short and on, on their timeline. And a few of the after a few few prompts of asking it to look further into the future, we got some some really good stuff. So I'll I'll explain some of these like super quickly and uh, be curious to get your take on that GT. So the first one as like future emerging uh, job title for marketers in the future, uh, GPT called it human AI collaboration strategist. So this is in a world where marketers work closely with AI systems, optimizing the synergy between human capital and creativity with your AI systems. So things you can do today are learning how AI systems work and how to best collaborate with them and train your team. So imagine your job is like literally like you are the person coordinating with all these yeah. different AI systems and you're like the strategist. You would make you'd make wonderful dinner guests, you know, in dinner conversation. What do you do? I do synergistic, relativistic relationships with artificial <laughs> intelligence data models for people. What does that mean? Even like I help marketers. I think it's a fascinating to kind of see it from that, from the lens of like, we're going to need like an intermediary, somebody who understands how to operate these systems. And my experience with, with chat GPT is like prompt engineering is like, there, there is an art form a little bit to getting the best prompts or best outputs. Um, and I can see this being writ large. Like it's not just like collaboration between like a virtual assistant, but like very much like a data model assistant. Like, yo, mm -hmm. I can't analyze your data because it's a mess. I can't analyze your website because you use div class instead of all this. Like the, the underlying structure I think will be important. So that's yeah, a really interesting role. Yeah. The, the other two that it like spun up a, bunch of times was like immersive experience designer like uh, a lot of people are really big on like uh ar and, and vr as like the potential futures of of marketing and like holographic tech and how ai tools can assist you with like 3d design and doubling down on like ux and storytelling and the whole metaverse and virtual spaces and stuff like that and not super uh well versed in, in that space there but the other one he talks or it talks about is personalization and hyper targeting we, we talked about that a little bit already and like um, you know, a lot of tools can enable you to do that today. It really just comes down to you, like having a good, like tech stack and composable mm -hmm. CDP and like having the data to leverage from that. But I found it, I found its answers like kind of boring there. Like human AI collaboration strategist was kind of interesting, like immersive experience designer personalization was kind of like, meh, like people talk about that already. So I asked it to like, think even further into the speculative future for a bit. And it, it spun out three really interesting ones. So the first First one was neuromarketing X 
expert. The second one was telepathic slash mind to brand marketing expert. <laughs> and the last one I think is going to be your favorite one, interplanetary marketing strategist. Yeah. I feel like marketers ruin everything. So like if marketers are able <laughs> to get into your brain, I will need to go interplanetary to get away from all of the advertising <laughs> messaging that's constantly bombarding my brain. You know, like the one thing that comes to my mind, like as we talk about all of these roles, like and specifically around the copywriting and the content side of things is like, are we even equipped to be able to detect or even give a shit about whether AI generated the content or not? Like mm -hmm. what value do we as humans actually today, like we're in the distraction economy, like do we even care? Like we read stuff so transactionally, you know, our attention spans are so short, like what is the value of human human created things um and will we notice the difference so i mean it's fascinating it's a fascinating just to hear where where chat gpt thinks things are going like i'm actually interested in the ar vr one like if you read the bobiverse like uh uh phil and i uh the, there's a, there's a whole vr thing that's that's really wild and talks about some of the implications but the idea of having like holograms like star trek where you just like plug your brain into something and then you can go on vacation to Hawaii and have AI generate your experience and serve you virtual drinks and stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's a brand experience for you. You didn't have to leave home. You just hook up to the feeding tube for a week and, and go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you bring up uh, the Bobby verse books. Cause uh, when I post this, uh, this blog post for this episode on like each of these, I have like a bit of a description on like the, the, the job title and what that might kind of look like and things that you can do today to prepare for that, like crazy future, like neuromarketing expert things you can do today, obviously dive into neuroscience and like the marketing applications of it, get a stronger foundation in psychology and consumer behavior mind to brand marketing expert like this one's actually like less crazy than you think scientists at the university of california claim to have already developed ai that can convert thought into text which is just mind-blowing but like things you can do today for a future where like this is an actual job learn about developments in brain computer interfaces dive into how marketing messages can be crafted for this far future intimate communication channel but the the third one like interplanetary marketing strategist things you can do today to prepare for that like read the bobbyverse series of books read lots of science fiction and uh yeah. and, and listen to beastie boys <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, we'd love to hear from the listeners. What what other areas are, are you thinking about? Um, hit us up that you're potentially like uh, thinking of getting a bit more of a leg up on, or, or diving into a little bit to to kind of like spread your your wings out a little bit for the future of, of AI and how that's going to change. Like maybe one of them is a strategy. We didn't really cover uh, strategy, but like how much is AI going to be able to have like a big picture of like your company and like really thinking about strategy and like uh, big picture projects and stuff like that and creative problem solving but uh yeah maybe we can uh book and uh it here gt i know it's been uh already a, a really cool conversation uh definitely enjoyed it but you heard it here first folks the impact of agi on the job market is obviously difficult to predict in five years let alone 10 the only way to future-proof your career and position yourself to thrive in an increasingly AI-driven economy is by finding new marketing areas to focus on, like AI tech implementation, data and API services, getting closer to product marketing, customer marketing, and thinking about some of the emerging marketing technology job titles of the future. Okay, so now the part you've all been waiting for, what about the tools? Which ones should we check out? Which ones do we like download and try to start playing with? How do we cut through the noise of like all the useless tools that are released every day? That's the next topic for part four of our series. So stay tuned for that episode. But uh, yeah, if you've stayed with us for, for this long, um, clearly you're interested in, in AI. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, listening and uh, sticking along this journey. <laughs> <laughs>